0: Welcome back to Facebook
1: Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're doing a deep dive into one of the largest, most popular, and most controversial advertising platforms in the world, Facebook. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that discusses what you need to know about launching, scaling, and optimizing your brand's presence on Facebook. Joining us is Akvila DeFazio, who is the founder of Advertise, which is a social media marketing agency that helps clients expand their reach and visibility online through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social network advertising placements. With over 10 years of experience in PPC, Akvila and her team have supported a wide variety of brands, including Postmates, Headspace, Wag, and Bing. So far this week, we've talked about the general landscape of the Facebook advertising platform, and today we're going to discuss targeting methodologies that work when you're advertising on Facebook. Here's the second installment of Facebook Week with Akvila DeFazio from Akvertise. Agvila, welcome back to the Martech podcast.
2: Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me back.
1: Great to have you here. Yesterday, we talked about the landscape of the Facebook advertising platform. And today, I want to get a little bit more tactical and talk about some of the targeting mechanisms that you can use in Facebook. There's a million different ways to apply pixels, and there's a ton of data that's still available on the Facebook platform. When you're sitting down with a new client and you're trying to figure out how to build an audience, what are some of the targeting methodologies that you think of first?
2: Typically, we start off with new clients, we create an audience doc where we put together the different types of personas and the interests and the behaviors that go along with it. And we double-check that they're available in Facebook's targeting or Instagram since they're the same platform. And we determine from there which ones are priority for our initial round of campaigns that we're going to be launching and also come up with a variety of lookalikes. And if you aren't familiar with lookalikes, they are... You can import an audience say, maybe your customers or your leads or newsletter subscribers, and then create a lookalike list by the click of a button that will create an audience that is like those users in those email lists. And those are very, very effective. So typically, if we have any of those types of lists, then we will do that because they perform very well right out of the gate. And we'll test those out as well.
1: Interesting. So in my head, there's three ways to approach building a targeting audience. One, you drop a pixel on your page and you start building an audience to retarget and you're looking at people that are on Facebook and you're sort of feeding Facebook, your website data to say, Hey, go after these people that we know are engaged. The second is using your existing list. You mentioned this, taking your email list, uploading it and saying, these are people that I want to find matches or building a lookalike audience against that. And then the third is trying to use Facebook to target new user groups. And that was really where you started was tell us about your customers. Let's build profile and see if we can build similar targeting to that. Do you find a difference in different scenarios where sometimes you want to start with someone's list? and then build your lookalikes first? Or is it always customer profiling first and then working your way into the other methodologies?
2: Normally when we're onboarding, we do ask if they have any email list and if they are large enough to create lookalike audiences off of, which is at least 100 users on that email list, then we will do that in combination with uh, particular new user acquisition audiences based on their industry or just their user personas. We will try to do a combination of both But you go back to the pixel really quickly, even if you aren't ready to begin advertising on Facebook and Instagram, and you're still building your online presence up and getting your business in order digitally, put the pixel onto your website so you can start collecting all of that user data. And then once you're ready to advertise, you'll be steps ahead and already have some data to work with.
1: Now, you used to be able to drop your pixel onto your website and start getting intelligence from Facebook about who was coming to your site. What is available now that Facebook has gone through the Cambridge Analytica data collection crises? Are you still able to get real insights about who's visiting your page through your Pixel?
2: Unfortunately, not as much as we used to. They have got rid of that from their platform last year in Insights there was so much more data in there in terms of credit card use versus education level and just household income-based insights, which was very useful when strategizing who we're targeting next and how. And now it's pretty sparse of what remains there. So while we have some insights in terms of you know gender, age range, geographical location, and ad placements, there's not much more beyond that, unfortunately, at this time.
1: So... When you're building your targeting list initially, Facebook will tell you some basic things about who your audience is in terms of gender skews and age and, and even location. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. co. You've mentioned a couple times that the household income is something that you really focus on. Why is that such a great projection as opposed to men living in suburban areas who are 35 to 55? Why does household income make that much of a difference?
2: Well, if you have a large budget and you don't mind just throwing a bunch of money at it, it's fine to target broadly and learn from your audience that way and start broad and then narrow it in a little bit more with exclusions and maybe picking different targeting aspects. But if you're starting off with a smaller budget, it's better to start small and scale upward. And household income was really important, especially to gauge of based on what type of products and services you're trying to advertise. So if it's something that's less expensive, sure, you can target broadly and it might be applicable to a little more people. But what we've noticed with a lot of our clients is that if they have something that's a little bit more of a higher price point on the product or service, that we've received a lot of negative comments from people that may not be able to afford it. The engagement rates are great, but it wasn't a very positive outlook. It affected some of our conversion rates. So if there's something much more expensive, that household income was very useful in targeting those people that could more likely become your customers and have a positive experience with your brand.
1: So talk me through, since household income is so impactful, what are the buckets for household income? Was it 50,000 and below 50 to 100, 100 to 200? What are the ranges, and generally when you're looking and thinking about price points, how do you match those two together?
2: As of last year, before they got rid of it, there were about seven or eight different household income ranges that went from zero to 30k, then up to 50k, 75k 100, Then there were hundreds of thousands up and then even a million plus. So there were those different brackets, but since those have gone away, as of yesterday, Facebook launched an alternative to this, which targets the top percentage per zip code. So say you're trying to target people in Los Angeles, you can now select the top 1%, 5%, 10 and up to 50%. And there's five different brackets uh, the top earning household incomes in that geolocation.
1: So what I'm hearing is if there's five groups, there's basically a million plus there's a couple hundred thousand dollar household income group. There is the one to $200,000 household income. And there's probably two brackets that are below $100,000. Do you have any sense of in terms of average selling price, since this is such an impactful metric, which group maps to an appropriate selling price? If you have a $100 product, should you only be targeting a $100,000 annual income and less or... Is there any rule of thumb of which group to pick when you're targeting?
2: I don't know if there's exactly a rule of thumb for it, but one thing that we found successful with our clients when this targeting was available before it shifted this week was that we took anything that was a more of a want type of product versus a need. And if anything was over $100 retail, that we would target people that had an annual income of $75,000 and above, which was a targeting bracket at that point. But now, since this new one launched yesterday, and it's not as descriptive based on actual dollar amounts, my assumption would be, even uh, though know, we just launched it today, so I don't have any data to back it up, but hopefully in a few weeks, we'll have some. But I think that there's an option for the top 25 to 50% of the top income in a certain geolocation that you select. My assumption would be that that would cover anything from 75 k annual income and below, and then anything else would just be higher and you can tier up. So I imagine like the top 1% is millionaires and maybe 5 to 15% might be somebody that's making several hundred thousand a year, but those are all just assumptions. <laughs>
1: I have a great content strategy for you. Now that the platform has changed, you can go and scrape the data of the income by zip code and put together an article for each zip code of what the ranges mean. You know, if you're in Fayetteville, Arkansas, the top 25% might be $75,000 and above. And if you're in Pacific Heights in San Francisco, the average 25% might be 150 grand and above. Who knows? I think that would be an interesting way to build a content strategy.
2: That would be fascinating to see anyone can rip something like that up, but I'll keep track of what we're doing and see if we can have any comparisons to share.
1: Yeah, I think the moral of the story here is if you're a luxury good, over $75,000 seems to be the targeting criteria. And if you're looking at specific geographies, you might have to do a little homework yourself of what the average income is in that geo. What are some of the other key metrics that you're thinking about when you're putting your targeting together?
2: It also comes down to obviously geography, but if it's something that's geared towards families, then we make sure to target accordingly for that. Also with luxury products or higher end, we also look at education level and just affluent zip codes and other types of metrics that we can find around that. And for instance, if you're ever looking to do some more targeting, but you're running out of options, another great strategy is find something that might be complementary to your audience. So if you are advertising, say, Rolex watches, then you might want to target somebody that's into luxury vehicles. If you are a smaller brand and you're trying to get in front of new users in your smaller city, then you can do a similar type of approach by finding... Maybe if you're selling shoes, you might find somebody that into shopping for local sweaters or something like that. So there's a lot of different ways to think about it. When you're targeting, you can find custom audiences, you can create new ones and just find complementary things that those types of personas might be interested in.
1: It brings me to a question I'm really interested in hearing. Uh, so far, we've been talking in terms of the targeting strategy about relatively high level, broad topics, income, age, geo, things where you can use to target a mass audience. Facebook has a wide variety of other ways to target your audience down that are very, very specific. I was running a sports podcast for a little while targeting San Francisco Giants fans, and I was able to target all of these different groups on Facebook that were specified as Giants fans, all of the fan groups and anybody that was a fan of a specific player. Do you find that it's valuable to go and get very granular and build out all of these little pockets of people that are related to what your products are or to keep things broad and high level using like demo geo income targeting?
2: It depends. If you are okay paying for a little bit more, then by all means, target as precisely as you can. I imagine that your engagement and your conversion rates will be a lot higher if you're targeting very precisely based on your customer. But if you have the budget and you're okay with maybe finding other types of people that aren't exactly who you're targeting but Facebook might not have the data to present them to you and you can still find them through different broader audiences, that's another great way to do it. But If you like, say for your sports podcast that you were able to target those fans exactly, by all means, try it out. If you have a large enough audience, which something for like that, if there's at least a thousand users, then you'll get a little bit of reach. Just be mindful that the frequency will go up and you'll eventually tap out that audience. But still worth the test.
1: Interesting. So basically the trade-off is if you're going to use very granular audiences, they're going to be more expensive because you're being more targeted, right? Facebook is giving you access to data to target a specific group of people. So they're going to charge more and they're probably more sought after. And if you're looking for a cheaper way to reach a high volume of people, keep your targeting broad. Exactly. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Akvila for joining us. If you'd like to learn more of Akvila's tips for building an effective Facebook strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning to learn how to build a creative strategy that works on Facebook's advertising platform. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Akvila, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet at her Twitter handle, which is Akvila DeFazio, A-K-V-I-L-E-D-E-F-A-Z-I-O. Or you can visit her company's website. That's akvirtise.com. A-K-V-E-R-T-I-S-E.com. You can also find a link to her beginner's guide to Facebook in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, don't worry, we've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries and transcripts of all of our episodes. If you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we built benjshap.com questions where you could submit your questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap on LinkedIn and Twitter. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of Facebook week, we've got great episodes lined up for the rest of the month. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.